0: Welcome back, everyone. This is the Prepared Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Austin, and another great episode for all you guys this week. And, man, what we got going on this week? You know, the, the world continues to turn. And what would it be without more dirt from our, you know, existing uh, presidential administration or, more specifically, his son? And if you guys haven't seen the news, this is just straight off of, like, the Fox News website because it made me giggle. Uh, drug photos on hunter biden's phone proved that he lied This is a court re- t- according to the de- Department of Justice, which is just awesome right in an election year, your son, who's already like the the point of so many issues for you and your press people and your administration and now they proved apparently that he lied, which is just wonderful and exciting and i mean albeit hilarious right. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it, uh, the politics pieces, it gets a little bit old. It gets a little bit, can, I, it's just, it's stupid at this point though. you got to kind of pay attention to it and laugh where you can to kind of keep from crying because unfortunately <clears throat> we are at the whim of many of these people and it's important to understand, you know, and we talked about this, uh, in, in our last episode, right? When we had Jason, we had uh beard Mohawk on talking legal battles, talking gun laws, talking legislation and the the democratic process and the importance of voting and things. And these are the people that run our country. <clears throat> sometimes it's our country. Sometimes it's just our city or our state, but there are serious consequences to voting or not voting. So this is what we get. And given that, you know, the presidential election only really happens once every four years, we just kind of got to buckle up and, and, and deal with it the best that we can, uh, and, and hope that things don't get too bad, uh, cause it's pretty rough right now. Bidenomics, uh, are not working, Inflation is kind of crushing us right now, and uh, I'm sure we're all probably feeling the squeeze of that with the continued increases. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. Uh, the The weather here basically swung about 30 or 35 degrees um, from Friday to today. So I am not doing the greatest. <laughs> um, my body is not happy with me so uh, but yeah our our economic state sucks uh, they're chasing down our gun rights and they're also trying to actively put ammo manufacturers out of business so things are tight right now um, for everybody so that's why it's really important to make smart decisions and train the best that you can and we're going to talk a lot about training in this week's episode we're gonna talk about proficiency and performance uh, our guest this week is Rob epiphania and, and Rob I Man, I want to apologize if I've just butchered your last name. I think I got it right, but there's a really, really good chance that I didn't. Uh, but Rob is uh, a, a competitive shooter. He's one of the cadre over at Orion Training Group. I believe he's a grandmaster, so he knows his way around a pistol, and he's probably hit the range a time or two and probably gone through his share of ammunition. So, we're going to talk all about shooting, we're going to talk about training and performance and probably a whole bunch of other stuff. Should be a cool conversation honestly because I am not big on the competitive side of shooting. There's this really wonderful <clears throat> or I guess uh, what has become to be uh, recognized, right, as a dichotomy that exists between the tactical side of the the, the gun world, right, and the competitive shooting side and for a really really long time we had the tactical guys telling us that what they were doing had nothing to do with competition and that none nothing that was going to work over there was going to work for the tactical side right and vice versa right the competition guys oh that tactical shit it's not going to work for you uh blah 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 and well you know what the truth ends up kind of lying somewhere in the middle with all of it now you see that we have a lot of things from both worlds that are borrowed and uh we're better for it. You know, it's it's kind of the narrative is that when we compromise and come together, uh, we can achieve a whole lot more. And that sounds really, uh, I guess, a hippie ish. Right. Uh, but here in this community, like we we do a really, really good job of dividing ourselves and fighting over really, really dumb shit all the time. So when we do have the opportunities to come together and we do have the chance to learn from one another, it's actually usually A, really exciting, because it doesn't happen as often as it should, but B, some really, really great things happen because we have very smart and very talented people on both sides. So... This should be a really cool discussion. very much looking forward to getting into all of that. Uh, hearing everything Rob has to share. And if you guys are somebody who's or interested in shooting competition, i'm I'm hoping this will be very enlightening for you uh, and if you're not interested in shooting competition, uh, which personally, i, am on the fence about the value of it for me and my time and things like that uh I, I look forward to these discussions we've had a couple competitive shooters on the podcast in the past people like matt pranka you guys can go look up that episode x-ray alpha uh lindsey do who was on very recently she's actually a competitive shooter uh she's not a grandmaster but she's a competitive shooter and she works really hard at it and that's honestly <clears throat> if you're just working on developing yourself that's all that really matters guys but should be a really awesome conversation Before we get over to this week's discussion, you know, we have to say thank you. I actually had a a great phone call this morning and this afternoon with a couple couple phone calls with our sponsors, and as a sponsored podcast, their support goes so much further than you guys might even imagine, right? We are very fortunate to work with some awesome, badass companies, and uh, we just have to say thank you, right, for two reasons. One, because we should and B because you guys need to be aware of these companies and the work that they're doing there out in the space and how it can impact you. So, first, I want to say a very big thank you to the team over at Custom Night Vision. If you guys haven't been keeping up on things on YouTube and especially in the Night Vision conversation, Kevin over at Custom has been putting out some really, really good YouTube content recently, doing one, uh, a tube shootout. So, you know, comparing the common tubes that we see on the market. So, not just Photonis, Lbit, and L3, which are the three huge manufacturers that we all know and appreciate here in the States, but also the I think it's the NNVT, those the Chinese tubes that we're starting to see come to the United States at a much, much reduced price. So you can actually see in, in a variety of environments, not just one, but in a variety of environments how they perform. So if you are somebody who's really strapped on the budget side of things, you'll see, hey, am I really sacrificing you know a lot going from the NNVTs to the Photonis or Photonis to Elbit? And I think if you guys check that video out, you may be very surprised that the Photonis Echo Tubes... They're actually pretty good stuff for the money. Additionally, did an awesome video. I loved it. Comparing side to side all the common lasers on the market right now. Some including the full power versions. So, uh, PEC 15, uh, the RAID that Wilcox makes. Also, the Steiner D-Ball D2, which everybody raves about the Illuminator on. Really, really cool to see the side to side to side performance on a lot of those units. The guys over at Custom are doing absolutely outstanding work, and I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market, if you are looking to try and get into your first set of night vision, whether it's a PVS 14 or a Tonto, uh, you know, BNVD 1431 Mark II, DTN any of that stuff, head on over to CustomNightVision.com. And if all the crap I just spewed out, all those models and things, you don't know what any of that means, still go over and check out the website. They have a great insight chat function so you can reach out and talk to somebody at custom if you don't know what the best housing is for you a single tube or dual tube you know they're going to be there they're going to be able to support you and answer all of your questions and give you the most transparent purchasing experience possible big big thank you to everybody over at custom night vision also want to talk to you guys about HRT tactical gear. If you guys are looking to get into a plate carrier for the very first time, maybe you're seeing things on the news. Maybe you're hearing whisperings from some of your friends. You used to think they were crazy, but now it just sounds like they knew what was going on all along. Head on and over to hrttacticalgear.com. You can pick up plates, you can pick up medical gear, you can also pick up their plate carriers like the rack, the A-track and the L-back plate carrier. So you have something to carry armor in and you are better prepared for all the goofy crap that may kick off this year. In addition to the plate carriers, in addition to the great, great nylon gear and medical supplies, they also sell a wide assortment of range supplies, like the Jawless Hog Tactical Targets, which we here at Mindset run pretty much every range session and get a ton of use out of. They're fantastic. They also have their AWLS weapons. Weapon Light, (laughs) A-W-L-S, Weapon Light, which you guys should check out, man. Even if you're just looking to swap out the light head onto something like an Arasaka body, they have all this stuff in stock, ready to rock and roll. HRT is a fantastic company down in Ohio, just a few hours away from us here, and a fantastic dudes doing uh, outstanding work, really. Head on over to HRTTacticalgear.com and check it out for yourselves. Lastly, I have to say thank you to Jonah and the guys over at 100 Concepts, Garrett, Pierce, Jonah. They're all doing incredible work, and they are on the rise, man. They're moving into their own building. They're making moves. They're dropping new merch updates and things. It is outstanding the light caps the scope caps uh they dropped their pro cap model in september which was to me a really really big improvement over your standard scope cap with the anti-reflective device built in and they've got a bunch of other good stuff there with their sling hook and their chem light kits and they have a bunch more coming this year for you guys head on over to 100concepts.com check it out today see everything they are going on and grab yourself some new gear so big thanks to all the sponsors, and you guys, honestly, without their support, we would not be able to make this podcast what it is. And sincerely, if you guys are like looking to get into new gear, and I feel like that's kind of something we do in the shooting space, uh, the, the more involved in shooting you are, the more often you're buying gear or buying new gear. Uh, And and sometimes that's not always a thing, right? Sometimes you shoot a little bit, but you're very tied into the other things like learning small unit tactics, like learning CQB or radios and things. So you're tied into the community, right? But you don't shoot a ton because it's really not your thing. But I feel like no matter how you're involved, you're just, you're buying new gear all the time. And we want to make sure that we steer you guys in the right directions. Go check out those awesome companies that are supporting us so we can pass all this great information on to all of you via our podcast. So, with that said, you guys, again, this week's guest is Mr. Rob Epiphania. He's one of the uh, cadre over at Orion Training Group. We've had a lot of the Orion crew on the podcast, all a bunch of great dudes and ladies, and I have absolutely no doubt that you guys are going to enjoy this discussion just like the rest. So, with that, I will shut the hell up, and I'm going to cut us on over to my talk with Rob. Here we go, guys. Hey, Rob. How's it going, man? Welcome to the pod.
1: What's up, Austin? Thanks a lot for having me. Appreciate it, man.
0: Yeah, I don't uh I'll be honest with you. I don't know much at all about competitive shooting sure. or the, the nuance and things that they they go along with that. And I'm actually, and this may be surprising, not that great of a shooter either. Uh so having having you come on and be able to join me for a discussion around, you know, how not to suck it at shooting, uh I'm 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 interested to hear where I'm, I'm going astray here. Cause I, I try to practice a lot and then I get to the range and it's like, Hey, this is crazy. I still suck. So, uh, you know, getting into all that good stuff. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are trying to learn. Um, and even, uh, Lindsay, right. We had Lindsay do on a couple episodes back and she mentioned that she, uh, she, she learns from you and, and everything. And, uh, you're doing very wonderful and magical things to make her suck less. I think okay. is the way she put it. So uh happy to have you on here, man. Uh let's let's start with you, uh sir. Who who are you and how did you get to what you're doing today?
1: So, so my name is Rob Epiphania, for the people who don't know me. Um I've always been a high performance athlete So played basketball, played volleyball, basketball, high school into college, all league, all that kind of stuff, uh volleyball in into my working years um 2010 got into an accident which kind of ruined the ability to play uh high level sports that like that that required a lot of cutting a lot of jumping all that so i got into shooting in 2011 i saw some some classes that that were being hosted by me uh, uh not by me <laughs> by, <laughs> by modern defensive training systems um Chris Fry's the owner was the owner of that at the time. He's still the owner now, but he's working in Vegas. So I saw some classes offered around my area. I said, hey, this is uh this is something I can get into that shooting, I could be very good at. I can reach probably the top levels of whatever it is and and not have to be the most athletic person on earth to be able to do it. So I started taking my first class with him, was a carbine class. So I took that and I loved it and I got obsessed with it and me, kind of like a lot of people who are high-level competitive shooters, we get obsessed over things. We have addictive personalities, and I took every class he offered for about a year and a half. So Damn. pistol, rifle, shotgun, knife courses, everything you could think of. In the process, I, I worked on getting my instructor certifications uh, from from you know just the basic NRA stuff. And I started helping him through that time. I helped him through 2019 when he went to when he went to Vegas to head Progressive Force Concepts. If you guys have heard of that company, um, great opportunity for him. And I started competing in 2018. So along this whole time frame, I started training with guys as as uh, as a student that blended both performance based shooting and tactical defensive style shooting as well. Um, and the main thing that i started hearing from them was that when you are a high level competitive shooter or performance based shooter you have more bandwidth you have more ability to think and make better decisions in the field so that started to getting my that started to get my interest peaked cuz i've always been an athlete and and this looked like it was the next opportunity um in those classes i was i was the guy you didn't get a lot of attention cuz you were generally performing towards the top of the class mm-hmm. and it it kind of prompted me to go to hey well let's see how far we can go competitively let's let's take it to the next level and see see if we can get to the top of this thing so i started competing in 2018 at that time i also started my company which is that that logo back there spc systematic performance concepts and i started doing classes for myself originally as a supplement to the classes that chris offered and then they started ended up taking their own spin based on what I had started learning through my own classes that I took as a student and as my in my competitive endeavors as well. So started competing in 2018, uh, achieved grandmaster in USPSA 2021. And I've been performing on a national level ever since. So closest I've gotten so far is 12th in 2022.
0: So that's awesome, man. It's that's- fun, man. That's, I mean, for being competitive for only really, I mean, it's not only six years, but I mean, that's a shorter span of time. I mean, I've been shooting, you know, since 2016, 2015, something like that, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not even close, man. Like, uh, that's that's awesome. Uh, Was there, so when you go ahead and you're talking about like competitive shooting, is that is that three gun or is that just, is that just pistol or, uh, is it like a mix? Uh, I don't know if, I, I really don't know if the classifications are are broken down to any specific, uh, discipline or I, I don't even know what you would call it really.
1: So in my, in my case, I am only shooting action style action pistol, which is basically USPSA, USPSA, okay. IPSC, Those, those types of disciplines are what I compete in. So it's largely pistol. I did some casual three gun competitions when I was, it was like, I think it was 2010, 2011. They had like a zombie shoot three gun. So it was like a fun shoot and you got to shoot the guns and all that shit. Like, and it was, it was fun, man. But, but that was, that was what I considered very, very casual participation. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought, I thought I was cool because I, you know, I took a couple classes and I, you know, it was just a it was a fun way to do it. So I didn't really. When I got serious, it was twenty eighteen, and like I said, I didn't really I didn't compete in matches in between that time. Um, twenty eighteen, I just started doing pistols. So I did steel challenge and I did USPSA. Um, steel challenge is essentially basing a lot of skill set on your surrender draw, which is wrist above shoulders, mm-hmm. and. Transitions. So you basically shoot five strings at five pieces of steel, um, and you get your four out of five best times added up for score. So it's a very simple sport. It's a great sport to get into for for people that are looking to get into a little bit more uh, low key environment. It's a little more family friendly. They also have a they also have a bunch of rifle divisions. So they have twenty two divisions, twenty two pistols, twenty two rifles, uh, that kind of stuff. And it's essentially drag racing with guns. So it's 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 fun, but yeah. <clears> for me it started to get a bit boring because I like the running gun aspect of USPSA. So you're sol- you're you're solving you're creating a plan, you're solving a problem, and then you're executing it to the best of your ability at that moment in one time.
0: So going through the the whole uh, development, right? Going from like learning how to shoot, and then deciding you're gonna go competitive and things. What are the, what are some of the things that you ran into that like you immediately, not necessarily immediately, but have learned are just not, they're not it. You know and what I mean is like you see a lot of guys as soon as they get into shooting, right? Especially today, right? Like, oh man, I want to go fast. Like I want to go fast. I have to, you know what, that's, I got to get a 2011. That's it. That's the only reason that guy's faster than me, you know, is because he's got a staccato and I can't afford a staccato uh, or, or, you know what I mean? Like shit like that, because I feel like you, you see a lot of that stuff. Like when I started shooting, I was absolutely convinced for the first two years that the reason I didn't shoot better was because I didn't have like a Glock 19 with a compensator and a RMR. And if I did have those things, I totally would have shot better. I, I, I understand the now that in the, no i just i sucked and i needed to keep working on stuff uh but i mean what did, how did that look for you because i know 2011 was kind of a i mean i want to date either of us here but like it was a little it was you know it was a little while ago
1: yeah yeah so so gear gear and guns uh, that's one of the things that's not it i mean listen the things the things that you choose they have to work well for you they have to be reliable but outside of that it's really how you train and you'll see this in a lot of people they'll 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 solve problems by buying guns by buying different guns thinking like you said this is it like I bought, the, yeah. I bought the 2011 that's it but all they learn is that they just spent a lot of money and and they didn't get any better they might get a little better as a function of a little bit of a nicer gun but not it's not going to make the big difference quite honestly um mm-hmm. I've shot everything so I was sponsored by Atlas Atlas Gunworks. Uh I'm currently sponsored by uh this side EAA right now. So I've shot everything from $600 guns to $6000 guns and I like both of them quite quite equally to be honest. Right? The main component is that you are putting the time in with whatever you choose. Right? And as you get yeah. better, as you get better. And this was one of the things that, that was common to defensive style classes. You bring what you have, mm-hmm. you don't try to buy, buy up gear so that you can, so that you can be the most kitted up person in the class. You come with what you got. And as a I mean, function, to be, of-
0: to be clear, I do love seeing those guys though, like the over the top guys, because oh. it well it makes me giggle a little bit. And like, I've run kit in class, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like the guy who's like that step beyond, you know, like hey man you probably like we're in an indoor range you probably don't need chem lights on your kit like you'll probably be okay uh probably sorry, <laughs> probably
1: no yeah. listen I, you know we've we've seen them and and listen at some at one point i was that guy too right like i i was the guy i was wearing the you know the the condor jacket and i had the, the what would jesus shoot patch on the one side and <laughs> And you know, the 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 stupid allergy on the other side, like yeah I did that, dude. True story. This is real, this is a true story, this is really funny, right? This is how this is how funny it looked. I walked into a Dunkin' Donuts one time. I was about to go help teach a class, and there was a kid, you know, 16, 17 years old. And he and you know, he takes my order and then and then he looks at me, he's like, he's like, So you're going to play airsoft tonight? Are playing airsoft today? I looked at him, I said, What? He said, "Yeah, you're playing. You're playing airsoft, like he, you know, like the the cool. Give kiss me the stuff. eyebrows and everything, right, yeah. yeah, everything, dude. And, and and I was like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. And and then he looked so like he looked so sad after that. It was really funny, but, but he he found a friend. Yeah. I looked. I looked the part. Like I looked like that guy that we're talking about right now. You know. Yeah. But the idea is like with those classes and even competition. Like, the first thing you want to do is show up with what you have. Mm-hmm. And see what happens, because what's going to happen is, for one, you're going to you're going to learn about yourself more. You're going to gain some skill, and you're going to learn about your gear. What's great about it? What's not so great about it? And by by learning those things, now you have the opportunity to take advantage of better choices. You don't switch gear as much when you know what kind of gear you're looking for. Mm-hmm. That's going to make a big difference in in. For one the more you train with one specific thing the better you're going to get with that that thing and the better you're going to become as a shooter which is really the most important part
0: right and isn't it funny like, that's that's the thing it takes everybody the longest time to realize like everyone's always chasing the the new you know what i mean like oh hey trijicon dropped uh the whatever uh rmr hd like i gotta get that if you want it, man, like I'm happy for you, but does it, is it going to change anything fundamentally that's going to really give you an advantage? You know, right. I, man, I wish I would have learned that all sooner. I I wasted so much time and money, just not like, just, you know, getting something that was decent, it didn't have to be, you know, big money and everything, but like getting something decent and just yeah working with it, you know?
1: So, so this here, right, this is, this is the Gerson regard. I don't know if you show this uh video to anybody but this is a guard but... n3 it's got a shield sights optic on it it's it's an M, like the MSRPO on this gun is like 600 bucks right and which is I, like
0: nothing relatively yeah
1: right I got this so I got two of these and I got two of the uh 2311s which are the 2011 versions right and they're they're really nice too but I mm-hmm. started training with this first because my 2011s were being being built and I love this thing. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to shoot the 2011 platform. And I felt bad because like TXC, TXC holsters, they sent me mag pouches and holster, like the real, real nice dudes. And my buddy Will from OTG also, he's like really hooked up with them. He's like, yeah, I can't wait to get you this stuff. And I get it. And, I, and I'm like, well, now I'm going to use this. And I I, I feel bad about it. They just got me uh, mag pouches for this and today. But this is like, this is like your standard. This is basically a faux retta. I call it the faux retta.
0: Yeah. Like a bretta it's, 92 it's, that's it's not.
1: Fake Beretta. I mean, it has it has a Beretta D recoil spring in it, uh, no mainspring in it, right? Has a nine pound recoil spring a tungsten guide rod, and I put a little adjustable mag release on it, and, that's, and these grips, which I had to Dremel, so I had to do a little bit of work on that. But this gun, this gun runs really, really well. I'm so impressed with it. Like I'm just going to shoot that.
0: Well, and it's 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 so much less about like like you were saying. It's so much less about the the tool and just. Like he said, how you train. And that's so, and that's something that I, you know, and I am not a good shooter. I don't think I'm a good shooter, but like I'll put, you know, content out and you see some guys too working on things like Burkitt reloads or, you know, dry fire practice. And it goes on Instagram and you get a hundred comments, people telling you that's the wrong way. Why aren't you working on that? You're going to build scars. It's like, well, okay, for one, I think anything can anything that's done to excess will build a training scar. That's like by definition, how you get scar tissue and calluses and stuff, but fundamentals like break shit down and work it and work it and work it. And I feel like people miss that a lot. Like, and maybe, and I don't know, I'd love to hear how you worked on some of this stuff when you were trying to figure things out for yourself, like instead of just working on, you know, get like a dry fire mag, right? And draw and do a build drill in your basement, right? And you do 8,000 of those build drills and you can't figure out why your draw stroke still has issues or your grip is still weird when you get to the range. And it's like, well, why didn't you just break down indexing on the gun while it's in the holster or break down just getting, you know, your, your support hand grip established. And it doesn't look cool. It doesn't always feel cool. Actually, it usually feels pretty goofy when you're just working on something like, you know, minute like that, but at least for me, what was it like for you going through, you know, really trying to figure out that competitive side of things and try to push those high performance limits?
1: Well, it's to before I go with that, if anybody is interested in, in any free drills, so I have a free lesson series out on my website, robepiphania.net. Uh, I'll share that with you uh, later so you can put it in a link or anything like that. Um, I have a free drills page for there. So anybody wants to get information and, and good quality, like long form content for presenting the gun with sites aligned, recoil control, draws and reloads. That's a, that's a great link to head out to. Um, you just put your email in and it'll, it'll send you them one by one over the next, I think it's the next couple of days. And, and you'll have the chance to play around with all that stuff. But just like you're talking about back then, and even today, it always starts with, with the fundamental work. So one thing, one thing I heard heard when I was studying performance, mental performance, all that, um, Michael Jordan. He was, he was my idol as, as a basketball player, right?
0: He's the GOAT. I don't care yes. anybody says. LeBron can go lick my ass. Michael's the GOAT. Yeah, yeah.
1: I agree. I agree. <laughs> I agree. But, so Tim Grover was his coach. He's got two books out, Relentless and Winning, both excellent books, read both of them. And the thing that stuck out to me when it came to how Michael Jordan practiced was Every session that he did, whatever it was, he started off with a chest pass. Every session was a chest pass. And the most basic thing you could do in basketball is the thing that he did. And that's how I started to shape my training in itself. So for me, I did trigger control exercises. That was the first thing I did. Uh, in in And to this day, I still do the same thing. And I personally do it strong hand only, weak hand only before I put two hands on the gun. Just because I get the opportunity to work the trigger Reasonably <laughs> hard and 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 understand what kind of structure my my strong and support hand have to have in order for me to press the trigger aggressively without having the gun move. So even to this yeah. day, that's what it is. But the my my style in general and people you'll see you'll see this in any video that you see of me is to really get into the the details of what's happening on a pretty granular level. So so my day job is in the plastics industry, I'm a mechanical engineer. So I apply a lot of what I learned in engineering into performance-based shooting because a lot of the same things really apply, right? But being able to break down things to a micro level and getting short feedback loops on that. So being able to set like, let's say a two minute timer on your phone and just do a shit ton of like Burkitts or getting a grip on your gun, those things pay off huge dividends in a short amount of time. If you do them frequently, that's a yeah. big, big difference there.
0: Yeah. And I, I struggle with the reloads, especially like, I, I noticed that more than probably anything else is, I mean, cause it's all, it's all dep- dep- depreciating, right? So if you go several weeks out touching it, you're going to tell when you go to the range reloads more than anything. I have issues, uh, you know, spotting the mag well. I have issues, you know, just across the board. And when I've worked on it and then, you know, go to the, you know, go to the range uh, a week later or just a couple days later, it's night and day, uh, my consistency and speed and, and repeatability and everything. Uh, and I, honestly, I love the Birkett, uh drill, you know, just working on those. And some people think it's weird. I did too. When I first saw it, I was like, isn't that just going to? Isn't that going to just create some kind of weird like lapse or, or, or pause in your brain? It really didn't, you know, because you work on that and then you work on the whole process and you you put pieces together and you you add context. And I think that's where people start to lose it is like, no, that's not the only thing you work on. You You have to build off of the building blocks. You have to build something together, right? And then it starts to take shape. And again, as somebody who's not good, I can see. Right. I can tell with my timer and stuff that I am saving time and I am more efficient working on those kinds of things.
1: And it's also just about it's about pushing speed and trying to find what breaks too.
0: So a lot of
1: people, a lot of people make this mistake, too. They make this mistake of saying I have to slow down. I have to slow down. I, I didn't get the hits I wanted. I have to slow down. Right. My draw was a little messed up. I have to slow down. I didn't do the reload the right way. I have to slow down. That is the worst thing that you could tell yourself to do. Unless Damn. you fundamentally don't understand it. You, listen, I, I, I used to say it too. Hey, you got to slow down. Yeah. That is the worst thing that you ever tell anybody. <laughs> so the thing about this, right? When you are training, when you're trying to improve, you have to continuously see a new failure as previous success from your old endeavors. And what I mean by that is you have a certain issue, right? You're going to bump up against it by, by telling myself, I'm going to slow down. Two things happen. One, you mask the problem, right? So you hide behind it and you, and you, and you, you just ignore it essentially. And then you bump up against it again and you can Mm -hmm. still slow and shitty. Now (laughs) slow and faster are a result, faster and slower are a result. So what you want to do is you want to focus on, on, let's say, maybe being deliberate. I've had guys that I've said, well, you have to be more deliberate about this. What does being deliberate mean? It means you need to pay attention to this. You just need to pay more attention to it. I've had them be deliberate, be faster, and more accurate. Right? If someone ever tells you to slow down and get your hits, yeah, like they don't know what to tell you at speed because they can't see it at speed because they haven't done it. So you have to continuously... Push yourself. When you bump up against that limit, you have to start. Okay, I'm at this limit right here. Change one thing at a time. One thing at a time. Was it better? Was it worse? Or was it the same?
0: I like if that you better, call that out. That's because usually when it happens at the range and I'm with buddies, it's like, well, um your support hand was probably not quite right. Slow down a little bit and you probably be a okay. And, and they do slow put? down a little bit and they get their hits and you God, look like oh, stud, man. Right?
1: You look like a stud because you told me, hey, all I got to do is slow down. If someone could do it faster than you, right? Yeah. That's not the answer. It just means you're doing something. You don't, you're not seeing something or you're, there's something going on that you're doing that that they are not. So I'll give you a, a good, uh, for instance, in my in myself. And the presentation process, which is one of those, those free drill videos that, that people get, um, that is how this started to come about. OK, so when I was doing draws, I was doing uh, I took a class with Travis Haley, um, D3 handgun class back in 2016. And a great class. I, I really like Travis. I think he's, he's a genuine dude who really wants to help people, his students. Uh, and, I, and I took a lot out of it. And that was what started to put the competition seed in my head. So I was practicing that drill and you basically go. Start at five seconds, and you you have to try to get almost exactly the time, plus or minus a tenth of a second of the time. Break the shot at full extension, not hanging out there for four seconds out of five. Right? Mm-hmm. You start at five, which is it's awful. It is god awful. I started th- <laughs> I start people at three now because this is miserable. Um, but then you go to four, and then three, and then two, and then one and a half, and then one, and then below. This is what got mm-hmm. me under under a second from concealment. This drill. So it was a very, very useful one. So at one second, I was having a problem where I was pulling shots left. But one and a half, it wasn't there. Right? So I'm like, I'm trying to fail. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I had known you, you don't slow down. You try to figure out the problem. I was thinking about it, thinking about it, but kind of working through it while I was doing the drill. And I, I learned this. I learned that at one and a half seconds, I could start getting my hand clamped on the gun with plenty of time. I didn't feel like I was rushing and it would just come out and be fine. At one second, I'm pushing the gun out and trying to clamp my hand at the same time, which results in this. So you're watching this here, right? So I'm pushing out, but I'm not clamped on the gun. And then when I start to grip, that's what happens. Yeah. So that's the problem. By, by staying at one and a half, it goes away because it's hidden. Because I have plenty of time. So right. all I did was tell myself, Clamp the gun as early as I possibly can. Touch my fingers and this finger's palm pressure leverage, which you'll see in the video, right? But touch my fingers, get the palm and, and start clamping on the gun as soon as I can before I push the gun out. And at that so, moment,
0: boom. So it was it was the support hand, but <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there,
2: so the, there so, needs
0: to be more information given there to make that a valuable comment.
1: Yeah, no, you're 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 actually correct in what you're saying. It's just that people tend to they're pushing the gun out while trying to get a grip at the same time. And that ends up when your fingers tighten, it pulls. So by getting your fingers right. tight in the beginning, now your grip is ready. My grip is ready to shoot about 60 to 70% of the way up to the target. Damn. And that also causes me not to have to wait because that's another thing that happens to most people. Most people are probably listening to this. Will probably resonate with this. I get up, right? I do this awesome, awesome fucking draw, right? My dots on target, and I wait three to five tenths of a second to fire. Why?
0: I, I you know, I would my. If you were to ask me that, my my knee jerk response is like. I don't know, confirmation of sight picture, you know, uh, round accountability, you know what I mean? Like from a defensive standpoint, but I actually know what you're talking about. You know, I was working on my own this weekend, transitioning from a carbine to a handgun, right? And found that I was waiting for, and maybe it was like an Achilles heel tactics video. I just, I saw the title, which I think was like, stop waiting for a pretty target or something like that. I was like, you know what, I'll just, I'll just push. And I think that's real. I think I think what you're talking about there, that pause is just people are waiting for it to be like that. All, uh, like every, like perfect conditions. You know what I mean? Like a hundred percent perfect, which if we do that, you know, then at least in my experience, I, that's how I don't get faster. I've noticed that when I just push it and it may not that I go with a bad sight picture, but I don't wait for the dot to stop moving and settle and sit. And you just, you know, you push a little bit more and you, maybe give yourself a little bit um, of margin there. Right. Uh, It it makes a whole world of difference in getting over that barrier, Mm -hmm. um, which is frustrating for me because I'm kind of like a a perfectionist about stuff. So I'm like, what am I not doing fast enough that that dot is still moving a little bit when I'm getting there? You know,
1: I'll I'll tell you exactly what's happening. So, so another question for you would be, is this, are you doing one shot or two shot drills, one shot or multiple shot drills?
0: Uh, I try to mix it up. Usually, um, I have like a dry fire mag. I'll use them dry firing from the range. I usually try to do like two or three rather than just, you know, like a one reload one or a one transition one.
1: So, so the common thing is this, right? What you'll see in people. So confirmation is kind of the right answer. Um, but it's actually this, they get up on target, right? And then they have to go, am I ready to shoot? Multiple rounds fast. Right? At that point,
0: thought, yeah. The
1: brain goes down to the hand and starts checking all this shit. Make sure, okay, are we ready? Are, are we better be ready. If my dots, my dots there. Is my grip ready? All uh, right, yeah, it comes back, travels back up to the brain. Yes, we're ready to shoot, guys. Boom. Three to five hundred three to five tenths of a second every time. If you can have your grip ready to shoot before and know that it's ready before, you can rip it on target and that will say that will cut your draw time down by three to five tenths of a second easily and i see it all the time in students that i work with online and work on
0: that (laughs) i'm gonna work on that because that's i i struggle with that everything you just said i i struggle with getting my draws below like sub second um even outside the waistband you know like i i don't i have not yet but i think my my best time is in like 1.2 or something or, or something around that.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to give you some stuff today that's going to help that and help everybody else too. Right. The one, the, so that's a, that's a big component of it where your 1.2 is, I guarantee you that'll start to bring it down to, to one second or below for just to start. Probably the second thing is making sure you're reacting to the, the, the stimulus, right? It could be an up command. It could be a timer. It could be a visual thing. Right. Depending on what you're why you're shooting or why you have to shoot. Right. Um, react as quickly as you can to the beginning of it. So the beep, you have that beginning that that B bee and beep. So I should have this here and I don't know if we'll be able to hear it. Uh, I'll bring it down a little bit too.
0: Like the start of the sound versus the very end of it.
1: So you'll hear you'll hear. Right. That we, You heard that OK. Or was it was it washed out?
0: I didn't pick it up at all. OK. All right.
1: Well, anyway, so, so that beep is three to four tenths of a second. Right, right. By us reacting to the very beginning of it, the B and beep, or before it gets like really loud, we will save probably two tenths of a second there. So, so some you could play around with. You put just we talked about micro drills, right? You mm-hmm. can put this timer somewhere where your support hand goes. So for me, I put it in my right pocket because my support hand goes around my bu- by my belly button. And what I do is when the beep goes off, I slap the timer and I grab my gun. So that's another thing, both hands move at the same time. So those two things are super important to starting to get the draw like right from the start. Um, and that, so when you slap the timer, it'll register a time. And if you have your hands at like your sides or what we call wrist below belt in, in competitive shooting, you want that to be around a quarter second. So you got to think yeah. about that 1500s to two tenths of a second to react to to hearing it. And, and then you have to do the action. So right around a quarter seconds where you want to be.
0: And that's important for, I think, for people to hear, like really hear. Because I remember, yeah. I know that I struggled with, like early on with my draw. And when I, someone pointed out, I, I don't even remember who it was, that I was getting the gun out of the holster and... Almost getting it like center chest and right if I press out right before my left hand was starting to move mm-hmm. because that's it's cool. not the hand that's pulling the gun. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, shit. Okay. And so it got a little bit faster. I would like index, I would do this really goofy, like I'd like cant my hand in the same position, yep. uh yes. my support hand, and I would index it like off my chest and <laughs> and it kind of worked because it it forced me to bring the gun together right and uh, and and start to fo- you know form that grip and then push straight out and then actually i think it was uh blake that the on a video was like why don't you just bring your left hand over to the gun and start forming your grip sooner like i i, I don't know <laughs> i mean so, i'll try and it, it I, helps because you have that that extra time right to build the grip sooner
1: I also think I think, you know, when I when I first started teaching in, in the defensive community, it was all about going all the way up and all the way out. Right. Which mm-hmm. actually, they, they'd say the straight line is the, is the quickest way to your destination. But it's really not. So if you look at the way the draw happens, like if the draw is basically a triangle. Right. So I was just going to so say that yeah. If you go straight up and go straight out. That's a longer distance traveled than if you travel across the diagonal of a triangle.
0: The noose of the triangle. Right. Yes. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so, so that was the thing too. So, so what I tell people um, in terms of where their, where their support hand should be, if we're talking about outside the waistband carry, the belly, the, the wrist crease in their left hand, if they're right eye dominant is right around their belly button. Okay. So that yeah. basically looks like, right, we're here. So then as soon as the gun comes out, it collects right under the dominant eye and you can just present it up straight. There's no side to side motion. It is literally straight up to target.
0: Yeah, that's and I find stuff like like that little call outs like hey, look at your wrist and line up with your belly button or something because of what it does with your your eye. Like that's the kind of stuff I think that makes it easier um it, you know for people to identify to think about when they're at home practicing and just line those like Um, and I've talked about on the here before, like I teach high school musicians, I teach uh, marching percussion and every year we go through fundamentals and training with the kids. And we always use the same handful of analogies because they keep working, you know, Hey, when you're building your grip, your fulcrum, your pressure point, imagine it's like driving, you know, hammering a nail through your thumbnail and it should come out between, you know, your two knuckles and your index finger. And everyone goes, Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. But now you're going to think about that every time you go to work on that. And it, and it works. And they remember, and yeah. it's easier than, than just sitting there and like, you know, Hey, do it, adjust your hand this way or adjust your grip, whatever, you know, this way and try and remember that mental image of what that, that looked like in that moment or in that class, when you were in front of them talking about their draw, now they have something physical they can reference to on their body. And it's, it just, to me, it's easier. It's one of those like smart educator type things.
1: It's, it's just a, it's an index point is what it really is. It makes it very mm-hmm. consistent, very easy to remember. So even something with reloads. So one of the things that I came up with as far as cues on, on reloads was imagine that you have a rubber band attached to your mag pouch and it's stretched out to your support hand. So as soon as you decide you're going to initiate the reload, mm-hmm. snap and grab the mag and bring it up.
0: Yeah, I struggle with that.
1: So, so, well... <laughs> You know and they're they're part times for this so my part time for doing that that whole thing right grab the get off the gun grab the mag bring it up to the mag well and stop with your your finger touching touching the bottom of the grip here mm-hmm. right that the time for that with uh with a you know a competition rig would be a half a second that's what i'm trying to do that and
0: damn it <laughs> i know i, have, I know I have, i'm have, not there but
1: anybody who's watching this if you go to my my youtube you know it's just rob Fanny. i have i have a uh a youtube short where i was doing uh reloads and and the timer is picking up the the reload time to seating the mag and it was like 0. 0.55 0. 0.58 something like that
0: so let me let me ask you with with reloads right cuz oh. this is There was, and I I mentioned this point in my intro that I recorded, but like for a while there, we had this like dichotomy between the competitive world and the tactical world and like people didn't want to cross over and stuff. So now we're starting to see things that were in or have been popular in the competitive space in the tactical space, things like angled mag pouches and stuff, right? Where, where there's no, you know, bungee retention or Velcro flap or anything like that. We're just understanding the laws of you know physics and friction and understanding that your mag's not for sure going to fall out unless you do something dumb but does that kind of stuff in your experience like is that really does that give an advantage that or is it just you know personal preference i like running a 30 degree magazine for my pistols um but that's also because i'm a little bit chunky and you know my gut gets in the way and you know it just makes things more comfortable but does that kind of because we're always looking for I don't say ways to cut corners because that sounds shitty, but like we're always looking to for do it. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. That's,
1: that's what, that's what you're looking for. You're just looking for, you're looking for a more efficient way to do it. And yes, those things help. So by trying to reduce the amount of actual excess movement that has to happen mm-hmm. in your body you greatly improve the consistency of what it is that you're doing that's draws, that's reloads, that's movement, that's literally anything that's anything we do right so so if I had the opportunity to set up gear in a way that would let me be successful, whether it was for duty duty, competition, concealed carry whatever, why would I not try to set it up that way right? Now, could I could I do reloads real fast with a, with a really straight up and down pouch? Yeah, I can. But why? why, why, why should I if I don't have to, if I have the opportunity to, to adjust that, right? Because what happens is with all that kind of with all that, your body starts to have to, to make different adjustments from a physiological standpoint that you wouldn't have had to done be- do before. So an angled mag pouch, the whole purpose of an angled mag pouch that's more centerline, that's raked back. That's to make your wrist angle straighter when you're doing the reload. That's the whole purpose of that. So your wrist doesn't have to break and your shoulder doesn't have to rotate to try to get the mag out. That's why if you see someone who has their their mag pouches, they're not like this, but they're like this. You see, like, they really have to, like.
0: I, I never them. understood that one. The angled forward mag pouches. That's like a, that's starting to be a thing too.
1: That's a, that's a, that's just, that's a knowledge gap. That's all that really is. You know, and then if someone's going to pretend that they're they're great at, at reloads like that, uh, you know, they probably don't know what they probably don't know what they're talking about. To be quite honest, and I don't mean to say that to be offensive, but you know, yeah, there's I a mean, reason. There's a reason why these these things work better the way they are. You might be able to do it okay, but that doesn't yeah. mean it's ideal.
0: Well, it's not, and I never see it on like on on competitive shooters it's always on tactical rigs where guys have stuff raked forward. and I don't know if that's just like cuz you want to j- grip it and rip it or there's I'm sure there's a justification for it in their minds but I it, it I see it and it never at least the angled backward made sense. I've seen videos like Lucas Botkin talking about swiping to grab that mag faster and everything. I'm like, "Okay, that makes sense because biomechanics and everything like that, I get. The other way, I I just never got it.
1: They haven't trained enough to know. That's really what it is. You know, like they just haven't put enough time in to really understand what is going to make them the most successful. They haven't thought about the small pieces of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And maybe that's fine. Maybe, maybe they won't have to ever do that. Maybe they don't do it. Maybe they don't practice it. But largely speaking, it's just because they don't, they don't really understand it because they haven't they haven't really looked into what's the best practice either. Because if you, I mean, you can go on the internet and pretty much find anybody talking about how, why, why an angled back mag pouch in the front is, is a ergonomic advantage. Yeah. And
0: you're, you're seeing it. Yeah. I mean, you're you're seeing it. You're seeing guys move their mags to an angle. You're seeing them move them more centerline almost to mimic, you know, kind of where they are when you carry appendix, right. You're starting to see, and part of it is, I mean, maybe that's only like the, the redeeming qualities of the knowledge transfer that happens over the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Guys see it. Then they get words. You get that. How can I run that? Let me try it. And then you like it and you figure out that it's helped you or something. And, you know, and, and good, you know, then that's one of those like rare examples of the community actually helping the community. Uh, and, and it works. Um, not to say it's the, the only way you don't have to, like you said, if it, if you've never been in a situation where you, have to have it that way or something then fine but you are starting to see it guys don't carry their pistol mags at nine o'clock you know like old school law enforcement or anything anymore it, mm-hmm. it's it just feels exhausting thinking about having to reach that far back to to you know or even like a rifle mag that would be a, i don't know like the, basically the small you back at that point
1: i mean i had to do i had to do that for a couple of years because when i shot when i was shooting uspsa at first i was shooting production division and production division was at the time it was hip bones back had to be where all your gear was so your holster your your mag pouches had to be hip bones behind so i started off with with on that side and it was only t- you're only allowed 10 rounds in production division anyway so you're doing three four reloads sometimes so like you so see you're getting way way back there and as as you go back the, the mag start to straighten up for that mm-hmm. you know that the angle becomes more advantageous to have it more straight but uh but yeah, those are all those are all things that you learn from from also doing and performing. You know, my first my first sub one second reload shot to shot was in 2018, September. September 2018, my fastest reload to date with a non-Magwell gun is a 0.73. And my fastest reload with a Magwell gun is a 0.65 shot to shot.
0: So the Magwell helps.
1: It, a little bit just because i can i can be a little bit more um well i really shouldn't say that either because when i was doing the zero point when i did the 0. 0.65 it was just like i was just shooting into the berm because i just wanted to push speed just mm-hmm. to see what's possible whereas the 0. 0.73 i was actually shooting a target like f- to be reasonably accurate in two shots so it was a two reload two format in there whereas the other one was just a, like shoot to the berm reload shoot to the berm I just want to see how fast it was possible to do it.
0: I mean, for some of it, I, I, I think some of it's theatrics when people talk when people start talking about like you have to get a mag well, you have to have, you don't have to do anything. But I also will say I think that the guys who are like some of the absolutists on the other side of that says, <laughs> Magwell
1: yeah. this gun."
0: Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't have to, I and mean, that's a, that's I mean, it, it to an extent, a lot of it I think is personal preference, and. The, the absolutes, right? You have to have a magwell if you want to run fast, right? Or you, you know, you absolutely don't. I mean, it really, doesn't really matter. People get really torqued up. And I'm, I mean, you have the internet, you've seen it. <laughs> Guys get really bent out of shape over the dumbest shit. I had, um, I think it was, I don't know, it was a couple of years ago. Uh, I put up a video just doing reload drills, right? And I think somebody tagged you in it. I remember because uh, I just met Jared, had him on the pod where with Orion. Yeah. And uh, I was just doing a reload. Right. And I didn't look down at the gun. Like, and it was, I'm going to say seamless, not that it was like blazing fast, but it was seamless. Right. I didn't get caught up. It was, you know, it was, I was actually pretty proud of it when I put it up at the time, you know, I was like, all right, I feel pretty good here, man. And some, some guy, I couldn't even tell you who it was. Like he tagged you and he's like, you can't reload the gun. It's just a paperweight. Like, dude, I, I did reload the gun. And I think you just commented on it, and you're like, I look at the magwell, and you, you know, if you can get the gun back up and running, that's what matters. And, and this was years ago. Was, I, I want to yeah. say it was like 2021 or something like that. Uh, but it just shows you people get so bent out of shape over the littlest of things, and it's like, does it matter? Like, look at the magwell. Don't use your peripherals. Use your direct eyesight. I, I mean, I, and that's, I, I know what your experience has been with stuff like that. Like when you reload, do you deliberately look down at the gun? Is it something with your muscle memory now? I mean.
1: So, so I'll say this, and this is the way I put it. And I've been, I've been, it's funny because people try to tell me like, you know, you didn't, you didn't keep your eyes on the threat and okay. I mean, you know, I can, I can put the mag in the gun in less than half a second. I mean, that I would rather that be the case, but when, when it comes down to this, this is how, this is how I talk about it now. What is the priority of what you're doing? Right. If you are reloading a gun that's empty and mm-hmm. you, you are not moving to cover, right, because that would probably want you'd want that to be your first priority, but let's say you couldn't do it. What is the most important thing?
0: Getting the gun back up and running. Getting
1: the gun back loaded. It doesn't matter what happens if you don't have the gun loaded. So taking that fraction of a second to look the mag into the gun is huge right same so this thing is
0: for me. this is upsetting because i used to be one of those guys i was like no man you want to use your vision so you can you can you have eyes on the threat and something in maybe it was the same post i remember somebody was like what do you why what's going to change I'm like i don't fucking know anything everything i mean the world turns you know like it, I, I don't know you know i was like i was very convinced that <laughs> that i was doing the right thing by by not looking at the uh by not looking at the uh, magwell when I was reloading, I was like all about it. I like, I spent a lot of time learning how to do that without looking at it.
1: <laughs> and I, and I could do it without looking, you know, like I've done it. in I, I remember this one, this, I had this one time where this guy was t- like arguing with me about this and I was telling him this thing and I, and I literally made, I made a video where I was in the dark and I was doing reloads <laughs> in the dark and I was like, I'm in the dark. What am I going to do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and i did like three three reloads like in the dark without looking it's like you know yes i can do it but the but the idea is if it's the priority if getting mm-hmm. gun back up up and running is the priority so competition stand and shoot stage right a reload where there's like one step of movement like the reload is the priority you better make sure it's in the gun because it doesn't matter how fast you move to the next spot or you're just standing still like that's a problem you need to make sure that 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 the mag gets into the gun. As soon as you know mm-hmm. it's in the gun, put your eyes back where it needs to go. Now, if there's more movement involved or like for instance you're in a tactical situation where where you are running empty or you run empty and you have an opportunity to get to cover, right? Then if you're making that run, you can reload without looking. The reload isn't the priority, getting the cover is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that kind of make yeah. sense to you? And 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 for me with longer runs, Right, longer. De- I say anything more than five steps of of running. What I'll do is I'll grab the mag and I'll run. And when I'm starting to slow down, that's when I'll put the mag in the gun. Right. Yeah. It's big okay. Ego okay. For me, like I, I didn't. I'm known as like one of the fastest ones in the world, and I'm like uh, I don't I don't want to do this because I want to make sure it's fast. But that's not really the way to be the fastest on the stage. Right. So I had to kind of check my ego and and, and be willing to do what's right, not necessarily what looks cool.
0: And that's where that's where introducing context into the discussion, because a lot of guys hate that. They'll say that, you know, by saying context uh, makes the difference in how you answer the question or how you solve the problem. Right. Oh, that's a that's a fallacy. And I'm like, I, you know, I, I think at the time, the first time someone said to me, I was like, you know what, I think you might be right. But the more I run into stuff, the more it especially in the shooting world. Right. Because we there's always more than one way to do. Pretty much fucking everything, right? Like, there's always more than one way, and when you're talking about why you would choose one way over the other, that justification, i.e., context, is where the discussion really happens. And I do, you know, I mean, I agree with everything you just said, um but we just, I think we just demonstrated pretty well that there's some pretty deep schools of thoughts out there, right? Like, yeah. oh no, you have to stay eyes on the thread at all times, and I get it. It's not that what you said doesn't make sense. It does. But if you talk about priority of work, and that's one of the things. And when I took the Orion CQB class, they teach priority of work. I mean, obviously, different scope, different conversation, talking CQB versus reloading a gun. It's your priority of work. And you need to address what is most uh, critical at that moment. And I
1: I think it's also, so most people don't know, they know me as like a competitive shooter, but they don't know that I taught for years in the tactical world well before this. So, oh, so really? it's a bit shocking to them. Yeah, because I taught with, with you know, Chris Fry and, I, and we were doing stuff for five, six years together. We were together every month. And, and that was my thing. Like I was going to first start competing in Concealed Carry. I did all my classes from Concealed Carry at the, up until 2018. And that's where I got fast first. And that's why I'm going to start making some CCW content now. But the idea is this, and I, this is the way I frame it too. Tactics is understanding what you need to do. Like having the knowledge to be able mm-hmm. to, to do it, to understand what needs to be done, and having the skill to be able to do it and execute it on demand. Right. And that now, the tactics of shooting a competition stage, score as many points as you can in as little time as possible. Right? That that makes sense. So that so certain things are gonna shape the context and the skill set and the tactics that you use to accomplish that. Whereas when you talk about other things like CQB, personal protection, there are other things to consider, right? Shoot, no shoot, decision-making, right? Uh, cover concealment use in CQB, room clearing, all the room clearing techniques. So if you, mm-hmm. as long as you have the proper tactic and skill to be able to execute the thing that you're trying to do, it everything, it, everything will work together. You'll be able to accomplish it to a high level. And being able to perform at a high level under pressure now gives you the additional bandwidth to be able to make those decisions smarter. And this is what I've heard from guys who've done it on both sides. So guys who have won. So Robert Vogel was one of them. He was the first one I trained with that was a competitive shooter strictly uh, when I started competing. And he was a law, he was a law enforcement officer, SWAT guy, all that. And he, he said, it absolutely made me better in the field. And Ron Avery was another one. So Tactical Performance Center, I trained with Tactical Performance Center. And they, they had an article where they were out saying that being a high-level competitive shooter made them a better tactician. And Vogel said the same thing. Being this high-level guy, being able to process all this information under pressure made him better. Even driving a car. Every day driving a car. Mm-hmm. It funnels back into everything else because you have this, this, this extra bandwidth with which to handle the extra load that you're placing on yourself under pressure, which is a huge Huge.
0: advantage. The, the, the mental processing piece I think is, I mean, it gets some attention. I don't think it gets enough, Mm -mm. especially when when you start putting like drills that are more than I would say like two or three steps, right? Like a two reload two. Like it's easy to remember two, a reload, and two. But if once you start throwing in movement or you extend the string of fire or uh you know, oh, strong hand only or whatever, it gets way more difficult. But it looks it looks way less it looks way less cool on the Instagram. So I feel like we see less of it uh, because it's harder to make that look cool. But that's some of the stuff that I, at least in the last like year or so here, tried to work on more in my own practice was things like, even if it's just uh, like I use these targets from uh, Drawless Hog Tactical, right? And they run some classes up in the Midwest and um, they have different colored uh, shapes and with numbers on them, on this target, right? And I'll use them yeah and I and use it, it from
1: just, them but I use
0: them yeah just calling out different uh you know number combinations or color combinations with me and my buddy and then on the timer right do a 180 and you have to think th- like you're you're hunting you're thinking you're processing and it's way harder than it looks because that Target's not that big it's only like you know four foot by two foot or whatever like sure. it's not even, it's not that big a deal but it it highlights if, if anybody listening to this doesn't think that that's difficult like go work it out for yourself it's not as simple as it sounds
1: and i'm going to say this too right go to, go to a local competition and try your luck try try your luck there even if you're a great shot like if you haven't competed before you're going to find that even though you know what's going to happen you know where the targets are you know what mm-hmm. you're going to do in the beginning it's going to it's not going to go how you think it's going to go
0: Right. No, I, more than likely not. If I look not. at the boards here. I know a lot of guys locally here in Michigan, and when people post the results, I never have any idea who any of these dudes are. Yeah. I'm like, who the hell is this? You know, like I don't know. It, it's it's funny. Like the the people that you know locally that you think are great tactical shooters are not necessarily great shooters.
1: No, and and it's also because law enforcement, military, and and the tactical. Realm in most cases, they view a miss as highly penalized as death. Right. What happens is you create an atmosphere where people are unwilling to fail to get better, which is exactly what you need to do to get better. Like you need, just like we talked about before, you need to bump up against obstacles all the time. I didn't get fast. I didn't get fast the way way I am by always doing it right. I matter of fact, I I, the more I did it wrong and the more I learned from what I did, Mm -hmm. I got. And I think most people are afraid to to take that ego hit. And it's also being trained. It's being trained into them. And I understand why, because listen, it's it's a big problem. But what if you had the opportunity to fail in training and learn from those failures so that in a real encounter you have the success you're looking for that's the thing to yeah. think about now now that's that doesn't mean that you're just always always failing always failing you're still trying to do some some runs to understand where you're at right but then the idea is to break shit and fix it every time mm-hmm. you, break it, you fix it you get that much better then you encounter the next problem break that solve that break the next thing step up step up step up step up And without being willing to do that, without being able to kind of surrender your ego to to that process and define new problems as previous success, like you get handicapped, you get limited and you have a ceiling over your head. And that that's much more of a problem. Once you start to allow people to to make mistakes and then you solve the mistakes at speed, then they become better all around. And, And nobody's immune to that process. That process has to happen for everybody. If you want to get to that level, you want to get better.
0: Yeah. And so maybe, does it make sense then? Because this is something I've talked about before with friends and stuff is maybe that's, that's, that has to play a bigger part in how you plan your practice and plan your range days. Like, are you focusing on, you know, hits and accountability or are you actually trying to get better, trying to push limits, push time, um, Because I mean, and you've mentioned ego a couple of times, I feel like sometimes you get that buddy that just wants to bring you up to the range and demean you, you know, like, oh man, you're slower than me. Oh, you know what? You got close and you missed sucks, man. And it's not really getting better, but you don't at the same time, I don't say you can't work on two things at once, but you know I mean? If you're trying to get better and push limits, then, then let that be the focus, you know, or give yourself the flexibility, like you're saying to, to have that failed rep or failed reps to, to, you know, see that that's where you're, you're starting to bounce off your limiter.
1: And it's also, and also kind of highlights the importance of the right people to train with. If if somebody who's going to, who's going to demean you and beat you up because you're trying to get better and making mistakes in the process of learning how to get better. That's not someone I want to train with. Like I, I, I won't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring them out again. That's, that's just me. Because in my in my opinion, and this is just the way I teach too, like I, I want to be encouraging people all the time. And that's if you watch when when if I ever get into a, a conflict with someone online mm-hmm. or I or I, I express an opposing viewpoint, I'm not just gonna be a dick about it. Because that's that's just, you know, I'm beating not my chest things. saying I'm better than yeah. no. That's not how it works, man. Like I was once I was once that, that guy, I was once the, the, the low level shooter. I, you know, it's, it's shitty of me to try to make anybody feel bad. And I don't want to, I want to encourage people to be the best they can be. So when I, when I give feedback, I always try to make people feel encouraged about what's happening and then give them, Hey, I'd like you to do this. I'd like you to do that. When you do this, I bet you it's going to get even better. And mm-hmm. that that kind of training environment, for one, the the community that we're in, uh, a lot of us are, are focused on mistakes and a lot of us beat ourselves up. So we can have this awesome, awesome run like there. And I, I've done it myself in the past, you know, as I before I learned how to how to be mentally uh, deliberate with my thoughts and actions. You would go. I remember one time I, I, I was mad because I didn't I felt I didn't perform well in a match. Right? Like, I was mad. Like, I was angry. Like, I stormed off, walked to get in the car. Right. My fiance's in the car and and driving home quiet. Right. Match results came out. I won the whole match. I won the whole match. And here I am pouting like a like a little bitch. You know, now that doesn't mean that there aren't yeah. things that I'd like to make even better, but like that attitude is shit. And when, and when well, you, it's,
0: huh? it, it, it's, it's like, and I used to, I used to have uh, a couple of friends like that. Um, not with shooting, because if you're going to get that angry on the range, it's nobody I want to be around. But, uh, I used to, I used to play disc golf and yeah. I was, dude, I was so bad at it, but I love, like I work an office job, you know, I work from home and like, I love being outside and everything. And the courses is always in the woods. So I was like, man, I love this. And you get these guys just get pissed. Like they'd win, right? They were so much better than everybody else. And because they didn't perform the way they thought they would just be the most miserable motherfucker in the group, you know, and it made you never want to go out with them again. It made you never want to look to them for help or or bring them around or anything. It didn't matter how good they were. You know, it's it's, it's super toxic.
1: It's not, you don't want to be, you don't want to be that person. You know, it's okay. It doesn't mean, it also doesn't mean you ignore, ignore issues, right? Because Mm -hmm. issues are how we get better by, by, Hey, instead of thinking about, you know, I sucked this or whatever, like, Really talk. Every time you talk bad to yourself like that, it imprints in your mind and that limits your ability later on. Right. So so instead of talking yourself that way, you say, good, well, I found out this thing now and now I can I can I can work through it. So one of the things I used to tell myself, and it's true to this day, anytime there was a bit of more uh, more of a frustrating session, right, where things weren't going exactly how you want it to what i would tell myself in those moments was i'm on the cusp of hitting something something that's going to break me through to another level yeah and every time as long as i continued putting in the putting in the work within a session two sessions three sessions i was crushing new goals and all that meant was you know my mind thought i was at a certain point and i was just behind i was just be- behind the hill so to speak just a little bit and it just took a little more effort and i was went right over. As long as I, the less I got angry or upset about it and just tell it, tell myself this thing, the better, mm-hmm. the better it went. And I tell you to yeah. this day, I shoot, I shoot my, I shoot my best matches when I've been pushing myself hard in training and making and make mistakes in training the day. Like it could be the day before I'm making mistakes in training, but I'm learning from those mistakes and I'll shoot my best match the next day.
0: And it it's it's it kind of shows too. I think, you know, like I, I know when I'm when I practice and stuff. If I'm if I get upset, you know, even just dry practice stuff, right? Like get up, like wh- what the fuck am I doing? Why have I had three draws in a row where I'm? i you know, it just it's like I got two left hands, you know. And I'll like I'll just walk away. I'll walk away for like ten minutes. Yeah. Go eat half a sandwich, mm-hmm. or you know, go play with my dogs or something, and then come back and and Cross like. It. Yeah, like I will just sit there and otherwise I'll sit there and I'll stew and I'll brood and I'll be pissed and I'll get angry. And I actually get like worse. Like it never gets, it never gets any better. Well, because then,
1: yeah. Way. I was going to say, then, then you're, you're, you're operating on a highly emotional state mm-hmm. and shooting is not one of those things where you could take a highly emotional state and use it to your advantage. You can't, it requires too much finesse. Right, you're playing basketball. You're playing volleyball. You're playing football. You get angry. That makes you a a, a fucking terror, right? Because you because you run faster, you jump higher, you you know, you hit harder, right? So it could be potentially it's still not as valuable, but Mm -hmm. it could potentially help you in the moment, right? And some people are just angry in general, and 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 in the beginning, that's the that's the only fuel they have so they have to use it but in the long term that does not work out well
0: and that's that's why i don't uh, i think it was uh I had uh ian Strembeck from Rune nation i think I, right. i'm pretty sure it was him that i had on the pod and we were talking about uh jiu mm-hmm. and self defense and i think he he said it was like the guys he can't stand the guys that say you know oh man when i'm when i get there man I'm, i just i see red and i just go i'm like this is the dumbest shit ever. Self defense anything like you you just you see red, you you black out, you blank out, you don't you don't process. You just what destroy, shoot, maim, whatever right. is in front of you. That's incredibly it's stupid. Not, it's not honestly. a good
1: it's not a good strategy, right? You need to be able to control your thoughts, your emotions so that you can control your actions and be be able to think about what's going on and what the right response mm-hmm. is, especially when we're talking about you know, especially from a personal protection standpoint, like you need to be head in the game. You can't, you, you, listen, when it's time to act, it's one thing you have to, you have to act decisively and with aggression, right? And and with all of your ability, but you still have to understand what's, what's going on. Like, that doesn't mean you just forget about everything and turn, turn into some like, you know, red-eyed bull and that's it. Like, well, you don't-
0: medium. And we were just talking about the difficulty of data processing. It doesn't have to be multiple targets. It can just be reading the situation and understanding what's going on. If you're hundred percent reactive and emotional, you're, I would say the odds are significantly against you that you're going to make the right decision. Right. You're probably going to fuck something up.
1: And even from a training perspective, by being, getting, getting that way of being highly reactive, you're just damaging your self-image from being able to do any more. And you're probably just going to continue to drive, drive home. Like the the negative thoughts that you're you're having. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to pull yourself out of that and, and and like you did, stepping away is a great way. sometimes doing something different, like even in your training session. So if you go from what you're doing, go away from it for a little bit, something more productive, come back to it. like those things will usually help you um, redirect and 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 pull your pull your emotional level down. And just also understanding it doesn't serve you in a in a meaningful way. You know, even if you feel that it might help you in the moment, it's not going to help you in the moment all the time. It's going to it's because now you're relying on emotion to 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 drive your performance, which is mm-hmm. highly, highly volatile. Right. If you feel yeah. like if you feel like shit and you're trying to perform, well, it's probably going to make you perform worse. Right. You need like to be able get to any perform your... separate from your emotions
0: and you're completely dependent On that, then, if you decide that that's how you're going to motivate yourself, you're going to generate that that I don't know level up or whatever. You know, it's got to be super angry. Like, I mean, what if you're sick? What if you're not? You know, what if you're sad? Like, you're never going to be able to to reproduce uh, that that performance, that that output. And I I mean, repeatability is pretty much the name of the game. Like, you, you need to be able to do it ideally, right, on command. So. When you tie it to something like that, it makes it d- d- damn near impossible. I, I, it, I would say.
1: And that, and that also works both ways too, right? So, so I learned, I learned about this, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. I was performing in a match, and I, it was it was a tough match. Um, but I was also learning to become emotionless. And my mm. emotionless, what I actually did was I actually took out the that what I talked about, where you have that little ramp up because you have some some emotional spike. And mm-hmm. I didn't have that. And then what I learned is, well, now I have to learn what's the process to get myself to the optimal energy level and focus so that I can perform my best, regardless of whether I'm trying to be emotionless or I have some emotion. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm able to perform because of the result of my, my, my process, my procedure that I'm going to do to get right. me in the right state, you know, and that, and, and at that time it was, um, pretend like I was about to do a 500 pound deadlift. Right. You have this process where you're getting very intense and like you're, you know, you're you're breathing a bit shorter, to try to up your heart rate a little bit, which is going to going to, you know, bring your bring your energy level up because I'm one of those people that I'm very, very low key. So so amping my energy up was always very valuable to me. Mm-hmm. It's rare that I would get overamped in most cases. So so learning the mental side of that to be able to control your emotional, your emotions and your thoughts to get yourself to the optimal energy level to perform with intense focus is that's a valuable tool for regardless of what discipline you're, you're in, right. right. Being right. able to be and being able to go into and out of it. So being able yeah. to, to, I go into, I go into my mode, I do my thing, sh- super intensity, right. The second I'm done with the stage, I'm, I'm, I reflect and I do my, my visualization to, to imprint positively and then into fun mode for a little bit right can't stay 100 focused for 10 hours in a day eight hours in a
0: day you'll burn out. Ex- it's exhausting yeah, and it, it gets annoying just being is. around I've, people done like that, I've, I've done it
1: i've done it i've been exhausted by the end of the day
0: yeah so you gotta be able to
1: go in and out
0: and that's those are those are people as well like on the range it's there should be an element of fun to it and if you're that guy it's so locked in all the time like no you don't like people don't like being around that either and Believe it or not, if you're somebody who's trying to get better and trying to do all the things that we talk about doing in the community, right? You know, find your tribe or whatever, build your network, all that good stuff. Like people have to actually want to spend time around you. And it's yeah. one of those things like you just you'll be healthier for it. But uh <clears throat> Rob, I know we're kind of uh pressing time here. Uh this has been extremely valuable. Uh I have like a list of shit I'm gonna start working on now, but <laughs> Uh, I, I've loved this, man. Where can and I think you've said a couple different websites, but where can people find you online if they want to reach out for uh, questions, lessons, uh, just to see what like what's up? Uh, where are you at online?
1: So Instagram is probably the place I'm most active. So that's just my name at Rob Epiphania, no space, no no periods, no nothing. Um, and I'll put that here in this chat also, so you can kind of link it. So I'll put that there. So that's where I will be the most active. So if you guys have questions, you're always welcome to reach out. You are not bothering me. Um, If I'm busy, I just won't get a chance to answer. But I'm always, always happy to help people, uh, regardless if they're actually, you know, working with me as a student or not. Um, That's, yeah, that's the best place to do. And then you could just look at YouTube. I always post stuff on Instagram, too. Very educational stuff. So you'll learn a lot just from watching that as well.
0: Awesome, man i mean and i i recommend it honestly i think even just from this discussion alone like i was able to explain what i was doing you know and you were able to listen and and, and figure out like yeah nope it's it's this so uh clearly if you guys are listening like rob knows what's up um and encourage you guys to reach out and look into getting some help uh but man, I, I appreciate your time. I know you got a lot going on and uh, being able to sit here and just talk through this stuff is is intensely valuable for both me and and the listeners. So uh, it's been great. I look forward to being able to do this again in the future, getting together uh, and uh, really just appreciate the hell out of it, man. And uh, stay safe out there. All right.
1: Absolutely, man. Appreciate all your time. Appreciate the opportunity to work with you and and all you guys listening. Look forward to hearing from all y'all.
0: So probably more takeaways I would say in that discussion than most of my guests. That's not to detract from other conversations or anything, but like practically speaking, when <clears throat> we're talking about how to get better as a shooter, how to develop our skills, uh, why we aren't able to further develop our skills, the the speed bumps and the roadblocks, right, that we are running into individually, a lot of that stuff was what we just cracked into, right, in this conversation with Rob, and it's awesome because now I got like it sucks because I'm actually recording this and it's like very late in the evening while I'm doing this outro and I'm doing editing I gotta go to like go to bed to be up early for work and everything but it like has this 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 inspiring like impact on me where I want to now like put the belt on and dry fire for like an hour or work through this stuff so I'm definitely going to be looking into you know, the, the free training links that uh, he provided, which I will include in the the show notes, but I, I definitely, definitely urge you guys to check out, you know, Rob's training. And I know he offers online lessons and a lot of people are, are, are good shooters, right? we got a lot of people who listen to this show who are good shooters. There's a lot of good shooters out there, but there are very few great shooters. And I feel like if you are trying to, break down that wall if you're trying to overcome that hump you know whatever whatever it is it could be your reloads it could be you know your trigger pull is just not quite right getting outside instruction and i'm not talking about hey i went to eight pistol classes and i still can't seem to you know run like actually run the gun right it is a very different experience with private lessons and private, you know, individualized instruction than it is for group setting instruction where you have one instructor to 12 students or something like that, right? Even some of the smaller classes where it's one instructor to eight students, it is very hard to get individualized attention for more than a moment or two at a time because you have to give that same amount of care and attention to every one of the students you're, you're you're spreading it out. So and it's different, right? Like you're not going necessarily always to some of these classes expecting to get a 100% of the instructor's time, but that's you know it's just it's it's how it works, right? So we understand that and certainly having a resource like Rob out there available to answer your guys like just casual questions and things like things like that is great. But then knowing that he also has the availability and wants to do, you know, privatized instruction with you guys, that's a resource. So if you're if you've been looking for somebody, hey, I just I wish there was someone I could talk to. I wish there was somebody I could, you know, have weekly sessions with to try and work on these things, to try and figure out why I'm running into these problems. Maybe you're just a tactical shooter and you're trying to get over the hump, or you're somebody who really has a passion for competitive shooting and you just in your local area, you can't find anyone who's able to help you. Or the people you can find are just not good teachers because this is, and this is a thing, right? Being able to articulate what you're trying to explain to somebody in a digestible way and in multiple ways is, and I've said this before, I will always maintain this, is the hallmark of a good educator, right? You don't have to be the best in the world to be a great educator. There are lots of people who are mediocre at something, but are great educators because they've studied it. They've immersed themselves. It is, it's even better though. When you find somebody like Rob, who has achieved at the very highest of levels and has that passion, and has dug into this, and made made teaching, and, and learning, and education, and motivation, and, under, and, and really the depth of understanding that goes with all of those things pulled together, it's not something that you find all the time. And when you do, you notice that those are the people that are sought after in the community for their training. He mentioned, and when he was talking, he mentioned about Travis Haley, Travis and Chris Costa are, or Travis Haley and Chris Costa, right, are two of the guys that really, I think, took that kind of an approach on. And now you see that the people who are able to do the same thing, not necessarily because those guys did it, but that they are, those kinds of instructors are the ones that have repeat students and people have great things to say and are really passionate, not about, you know, all the stuff that comes with being known for this but because they have a passion for teaching and not everybody is cut out for that some people really want to be good teachers and they just aren't some people you know have no desire for it but at any rate i hope you guys pulled a lot out of this because rob shared a whole hell of a lot and you can tell like i was saying there you can tell the way that he explains it and the way that he speaks that this is something he spent a lot of time not just doing but thinking about it right introspectively uh, and he shared a lot of his own experiences and stories too. So you know that he's, he's gone through it. Like he's been where you are and he's been where you want to go. And now he's turning around and he is sharing that with you. So <clears throat> highly recommend you guys check his stuff out. He works through Orion training group as well. And it's a great resource for, for Orion as they're trying to you know bring students as much information at the greatest quality as possible. And just very, very tip top, very top notch. I look forward to having Rob back on the pod, you know, in the future here at at which point I'll probably or I, I'm gonna say I will I hope to have been able to take in some of the things from this discussion and some of his free lesson stuff and, and whatnot, right, and and mold that into what my practice looks like today and then hopefully come out the other side of it and be a much more proficient and successful shooter because of because of all that. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that one. It's probably like one of the faster conversations I've had, not in an actual time, because you guys are watching the clock here, you realize this probably isn't, it's not much different than any other discussions or episode we have, but I, I shared this with Rob after we were done recording, like we got about 45 minutes into it and it felt like we were not even 20 minutes in. It was just one of those conversations that happened very naturally and I was very interested and captivated in and and i love that man like that's like in the really cool parts about doing this is those kinds of discussions where you just click with somebody and you really want to hear what they have to say and you kind of hang off every word and for me like i I love this shit uh the mental side of things and the introspective side of things is something i really really enjoy and something that i i strive to find those kinds of like-minded individuals in the community who have like you know that that I don't use the word obsession, uh, but they, they look at things the same way I do, you know? So again, hope that this was entertaining for you guys. And if not, if, if nothing else, right, I hope it was insightful and educational, but if nothing else, entertaining, really, really appreciate you guys. Uh, if you've been listening up to this point, you know, uh, you want to support us, we have a YouTube channel go check it out, go subscribe, go like our videos. Uh, All of our episodes end up on there, by the way. So if you're at home working or something, you can just flip on YouTube and listen to any of our library. Uh, You can also check out our videos that we're posting. We've dumped some shorts on there. Uh, We have a spread shop. So if you guys want to buy a shirt, want to buy a hat or a hoodie uh, just to support us a little bit or just to rock the gear, you know that is available out there Um, we also have the Patreon, go ahead and check out patreon.com. We have all kinds of good stuff in there videos and exclusive episodes. We're always posting, you know, new and goofy and different stuff in there. So, you know, all, all good ways to support prepared mindset and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to achieve here. But that's all I got for you guys this week. I really do hope that you enjoyed the discussion, and we are gonna we're gonna keep rolling, man. We're gonna keep on keeping on, as they say, and bringing you guys excellent discussions and outstanding guests like Rob every week. But until next time, folks, you guys stay safe out there, and like we always say here, work hard, train smarter, and be prepared.